This program is brought to you by Suffolk University. Please visit us on the web at www.suffolk.edu. My name is Sabrina DeFabritis. I am a professor of legal writing at Suffolk University Law School. The title of my article is Barking Up the Wrong Tree, Companion Animals, Emotional Damages, and the Judiciary's Failure to Keep Pace. It will be published in the Northern Illinois University Law Review, forthcoming in 2012. The role companion animals serve has evolved from property, whose function was to derive economic benefit to family members who share unique emotional bond with their human companions. Historical accounts dating back to the 18th century reflect a recurring theme of animal as servant. What we consider as present-day companion animals, traditionally cats and dogs, were often used in earlier times to provide physical labor in addition to resources necessary for human comfort, with the breed and size of the animal often determining the type of job. For example, small dogs protected the goods of street vendors or churned butter or churned cotton gins, whereas larger animals hauled cargo, passenger wagons, and herded cattle for slaughter. By the late 19th century, civilizing animals gained popularity. As pet ownership became more luxurious, so did animals' lifestyles. Following the functional and understated accessories available during the Depression, the 1950s and 60s saw a rise in whimsical dog accessories, beginning the introduction of animals into the family, much like a child. In mainstream American society, by the end of the 20th century, the role of pets evolved from service to pure companionships. Between 2009 and 2011, Americans spent anywhere between 40 to $50 billion in the animal industry. While the role of companion animals evolved in society from service to companionship, the judiciary failed to keep pace and failed to recognize the evolving roles of companion animals. In over 200 years of case law, companion animals have been treated as mere property. That is where an animal is injured or dies as a result of the intentional or negligent act of a third party. Courts have consistently held that the recovery is limited to the recovery for property. That is the fair market value of the animal. In the mid-60s to late 70s, two cases out of Florida and New York seemed to indicate that case law was following a similar course of evolution as companion animals in American society. So these two cases basically refused to limit the recovery of companion animals to fair market value, finding that these animals were a greater part of the family and the emotional recovery upon the death of the companion animal as the intentional or negligent act of the third party should not be limited to fair market value. Shortly after that, these decisions that characterized animals as more than property were denounced as aberrations and criticized for lacking precedent to support their conclusions. After that, we see a long chain of judicial opinions wherein courts refuse to grant emotional damages to the human companions upon the death or injury of the animal companion. Now, this is not for want of courts recognizing the changing role in the family that animals play. However, courts find their hands tied. 
On the one hand, they say that they have no precedent upon which to base their opinions granting greater recovery to the human companion. On the other hand, they feel a downward spiral where if they begin to allow for the recovery of emotional damages for death or injury to a companion animal, they will then have to grant recovery for other types of property, such as a valued family heirloom. However, courts in recognizing that companion animals are far more than valued heirlooms in recent cases have stated that it is the legislature's role to step in and create legislation upon which courts can then grant recovery for emotional damages. So in the past decades, three states have enacted statutes expressly permitting non-economic damages for the loss of a pet. The first of these states was Tennessee. It adopted a statute expressly authorizing the recovery of non-economic damages for the death of companion animals, what has commonly been known as the Tebow Act. The Tennessee statute uses the term pet as it applies to domesticated dogs or cats normally maintained in or near the household of the owner. It permits recovery for non-economic damages related to the loss of reasonably expected society, companionship, love, and affection of the pet. However, it does have limitations. For example, this form of recovery created by the statute does not apply when a human companion brings a professional negligence action against a licensed veterinarian. Similarly, nonprofit group, governmental agencies, and the employees of each are expressly exempt from liability under this statute. Furthermore, the statute places a $5,000 cap on recovery for the loss of the pet's companionship, love, and affection. Recovery is further restricted when negligence is involved as opposed to an intentional act. When negligence is involved, the pet's death or injury must occur on the human companion's property or while the pet was under the human companion's control and supervision. Following the Tennessee statute's enactment, Illinois enacted a similar statute and thereafter Connecticut did as well. The Illinois statute is a bit more expansive than the Tebow Act, as a companion may recover for any animal to which a person has the right of ownership, not merely limited to dogs and cats. Additionally, Illinois permits recovery for a broad array of actual damages and permits the award of punitive damages for not less than $500, but not more than $25,000 for each act of abuse or neglect suffered by the animal. Connecticut while being the most recent enacted statutes, in some ways is also the most restrictive. Like the Tebow Act, it limits its application to domesticated dogs and cats normally kept in or near the household. It further limits recovery by imposing liability only after the intentional killing or injury of a companion animal. Now these are the three enacted statutes. However, over the past decade, at least Six states have proposed bills relating to or expanding damages recoverable for death or injury to a companion animal. Included in these states are Hawaii, Massachusetts, New York, Oklahoma, and Washington. And while bills have been proposed to date, these states have not yet enacted such legislation. The existing statutes are a great starting point for other jurisdictions to look to in drafting the language for similar legislation, and they create a 
solid foundation for lawmakers to build upon enacting similar laws. While statutes from state to state may vary on account of state-specific custom and practice, lawmakers should ensure that each statute includes four basic components. The definition of a companion animal or pet, a description of the actionable tortious conduct, the recoverable damages, and the parties exempt from liability or subject to limited liability. Having a statute that includes these four main components will ensure that, on the one hand, pet owners are protected upon the negligent or intentional injury to their beloved pet, as well as limiting recovery so that legislatures and courts can rest assured that recovery for damages will not escalate. If someone would like to download Barking Up the Wrong Tree, Companion Animals, Emotional Damages, and the Judiciary's Failure to Keep Pace, you can do so at ssrn.com. This preceding program was brought to you by Suffolk University. Please visit us on the web at www.suffolk.edu.